morning, everyone. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us today, uh, whether it's in person and or online. Uh, we're glad that you are with us. Tomorrow, I wanted to let you know that United Methodist Women are having a luncheon in the gym. They always have a great time. Uh, if you are not a part of the United Methodist Women and would like to join that, let us know here at the church. We'll connect you with them, and they have many different circles that meet on a regular basis. The youth are going on a Halloween trip this uh, Saturday. Uh, if you want details, just come to that and wear, bring a mask with you. Um, wanted to let all of you know that you can let your friends know they can join us here in person uh, for worship or on Facebook, on the church website, or on YouTube. We have many options for worship. Uh, the youth and kids have been back in person for a couple months now on Wednesday nights. The children uh, meet outside in the green space uh, with Catherine Barnes leading, and um, the youth are out in the courtyard. We have a great time uh, being outside. This is a huge announcement that you're going to want to know about. Uh, Trunk or Treat is going to be October 25th from 2 to 4. Uh, it's going to be outside at the home of Mark and Allison Casey. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I think you all know Catherine Barnes, but just in case you don't, would you raise your hand so they can see who you are? And if you're watching online, Message the Church will connect you with Catherine Barnes. So she's in charge of this event. If you would like to help with Trunk or Treat, you can bring your car and have lots of candy in it. Maybe your Sunday school class wants to run a Trunk or Treat vehicle. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be hot dogs, and there's going to be a petting zoo. Can you believe it? So it's going to be great. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful that we get to worship together today. And we are thankful for our children at this church. Uh, we are thankful that it's Children's Sabbath Sunday. God, we pray that you'll continue to um, help all of the children here grow in their faith. And we pray that they'll continue to help us grow in our faith as well. We pray right now that you'll calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we worship together, I invite you to stand as we sing together hymn number 159, Lift High the Cross.
Would you remain standing and join us in the affirmation of faith? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm glad that you're with us online. I know that many of you are watching maybe from your couch or from a comfy chair. And um, we're glad that all of you are worshiping with us today. Today is a special Sunday. They're all special, but this one's even more special because it's Children's Sabbath. And today we're highlighting our children. We have the best children around. Oh, can I get an amen on that one? Okay. So it's, it's bad when you just have to ask for an amen, you know, it's supposed to just come, but we do. We do have the best kids around and we love kids and we want to do uh, the best we can. And we have a special, special video that we want you to enjoy with us about our children. i 
Anyway, isn't that awesome? I just know that you're smiling underneath those masks. I can tell by the crinkle in your eyes. And I know that at home you're smiling too. We have awesome children. And if you are looking for a church that loves kids and wants to teach them how to follow Jesus, then you can't do any better than right here at Gaston First United Methodist Church. Catherine Barnes, will you take our little ones to Children's Church now? And as we watch them go out, I want to remind you as you get ready to give your tithes and offerings that when you give to support this church, you're supporting things like our wonderful children's ministry. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your prayers. We need them all. Give online, give through the mail, drop in the offering plate, uh, but keep on supporting your church. We need you. Will you join me as we pray over our offering? God. We give to you our lives, we give our tithes and offerings, we give ourselves, and we also, Lord, we give you our children. We trust you to take care of them like uh, we know you love them even more than we do. So we take all of this and we ask that it would all bring glory to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. so much Ezra that beautiful song from that beautiful prayer by St. Francis just amazing so tell all your friends to go back and listen to this um, to this wonderful song and 
Anyway, that's one of the benefits of having online worship is you can go back and watch it again and again and um, tell your friends about it. So anyway, we are looking at the book of Job again. All month long, we're going to be looking in the book of Job because, because 2020, right? And uh, we're looking in chapter 2 today, verses 9 and 10. Then his wife said to him, Do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as any foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive the good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Right after 9-11, the United Methodist Church had something called Igniting Ministries that did some some PR kinds of campaigns to promote open hearts, open minds, open doors. And I remember billboards that they put up. I remember in particular one that was right uh, outside the city of New Orleans, a giant billboard. And it said this, for all the days that end in why. And then it had open hearts, open minds, open doors, people of the United Methodist Church. And I'll remember a lot of things about 9-11, but one of the things that I'll remember is that billboard. For all the days that end in why. And these days, I've been having some of those days, have you? I've been having those days and those situations that end in why. These days, I feel connected to the book of Job in a special way. And you're saying, well, Pastor Sam, you're a preacher. Pastor Andy, you're a preacher. You mean you have days that end in why? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there's a, an old British movie called Whistle Down the Wind. And in this movie, there's a group of, of children, just kind of a bunch of ragamuffins that, that run around together. And they, they all are trying to take care of this little pet kitten. And this pet kitten means everything to them. They're trying to keep it, but the, the kitten gets sick and the kitten dies and they're devastated. But we know pets, pets die and we've all had that heartbreak before, but this time was different. Because this time, all of these kids just earnestly prayed that God would not let their kitten die. They prayed, I mean, just as hard as they knew how to do, and the kitten still died. And they were just like, why, God? Why? And so they went to find the only person they knew of in the village that might be able to answer that question. The the village vicar, this was set in England, the pastor. And they went and found the vicar where every good Englishman can be found at certain times a day in the tea shop, uh, having a spot of tea and reading his newspaper. And they surrounded the vicar's table and they just blurted out this question all at once. Why did God let our kitten die? And the vicar uh, folded up his paper and laid it aside and thought for a moment, took a deep breath, and then launched into a very long and very complex theological answer to the question of why. And uh, their eyes glazed over after a few moments. And then after he finished, he picked his paper back up 
and said, now run along, children, and, and if, I could, if I had a British accent that I could use, I would, I would do that. Run along, children. And they, they did, they left, and as they were walking away, one little boy was holding the hand of his big sister, and he looked up at her, and he said, he doesn't know, does he? <laughs> and that's about the size of it. Uh, that's about the size of it, because sometimes we really don't. We really don't know why the awfulest things happen to the best people and why people that just are, are really rascals seem to be doing great. And we look up in the sky and we say, why God, why? Because it's just not fair. It's not fair. Like Job, you know, I, I, I think about that when I read Job. I read the first chapter and I see Job 1.1. Here's a guy from a land of us. I mean, who lives in us? He lives in us, but he is a really great guy. It says that he's blameless. Well, that doesn't mean he's sinless because Jesus was the only one who was sinless. But what blameless does mean is that he was whole, that he was complete, that he had integrity. Remember that word, integrity. It's going to be important for us today. And it said that he was upright. And what it, what it means when it says he was upright was that he was, he was a straight shooter. He told it like it was. There was not any duplicity in his life. He, he didn't try to fool people. He wasn't a hypocrite. He wasn't two-faced. In other words, Job was a man that was trying to do right by everybody. He was a man that was trying to live for God and trying to stay away from evil. And he was trying to raise his family, right? He was prosperous. In that day, you counted prosperity by the number of livestock and things that you had. He was prosperous. He had a big family. He, he loved his children. He watched over them. Everybody around admired Job. If they weren't just a little bit jealous of him, they still admired him, right? And then in one fateful day, one very terrible, awful day, it was all gone. And Job went from being admired by everybody to being pitied by everybody. It's just like, well, I'm having a bad day, but whew, did you hear what happened to Job? Man. And Job's friends... He did have friends, you know. He had, and his friends came to see him. And Pastor Andy's going to be talking about Job's friends next week. We're talking about how to be a friend when everybody's suffering or how to be a friend when you're suffering or when your friend is suffering. But Job's friends came to him, and they didn't help. They basically said, Job, you must have really sinned bad. In order for all this bad stuff to happen to you, you must have really, really done something wrong. So if, if you would just repent... Maybe if you would just repent, then God would take some of this suffering away from you. So get your act together, man. Because this suffering mindset in the ancient Hebrew mind went something like this. If you did right and you did obeyed God, then you were blessed. And if you obey, disobeyed God then you were cursed and something bad happened. And so anytime anybody suffered in the ancient Hebrew way of thinking, they were always guilty of sin. Sin was always connected to someone's tragedy. Um, and you know, well, that worked sometimes, but sometimes it didn't. 
Sometimes that piece of puzzle didn't fit. Like in Job, it, it's just not quite that simple. Maybe we want to be, we want it to be that simple. Maybe if we were in charge, it would be that simple. We get to pick who gets the good and who gets the bad. But we're not, we're not God. And even if we want it to be simple, sometimes it's just not. And this mindset, this Old Testament mindset we see in the book of Job, it didn't work then. It just, it, it was just the wrong way of, of thinking about things. This mindset carried over into the New Testament. People were still thinking this way. And Jesus tried to straighten them out. Remember in John chapter 9, Jesus and his disciples are walking along and they see this man who was born blind. It was obviously somebody that they knew or acquainted with. And they looked and they said, this guy here, and they scratched their heads and said, Jesus, tell us who sinned that this guy is blind? Was it him or was it his parents? Because in their mind, it had to be that simple. Somebody had to sin. He's blind. Somebody had to sin. And Jesus said, you know what? Even though you want it to be that simple, it's not. As a matter of fact, this guy is an opportunity for everybody to see the glory of God. This guy right here is an opportunity for us all to see God's glory to shine. And Jesus did something that was both equally gross and wonderful. And um, he spit on the ground and made little mud pies. Remember that? Out of his saliva. And he rubbed the mud in the guy's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the guy did what he was told to do. What did he have to lose, right? He went and washed and he was healed of his blindness. He was healed by mud in his eye. So that was in Jesus' day. But you know what? That mindset, it's still around. It's still around. We're still thinking in the same way. We're still thinking, oh, somebody's doing really well. Oh, they must have done something right, right? You know what I mean? Clean living, don't we? And then somebody's having just a terrible thing, and we're thinking, man, it's almost like we believe in karma more than the Hindus do, right? Ooh, man, karma came around and got them. Have y'all not said that? Is this just me? Are y'all awake out there? Hello? Somebody online say amen or something. But that's the way we think. We think blessings on the good and cursings on the bad. And then when it doesn't work, when we know in our heart that we're trying to do everything right, and still the bad, awful things happen, when we know that somebody is just a wonderful, just the best person ever, and then something awful happens, we say, why, God, this doesn't fit. This is, we're trying to do everything right here, God, and life is kicking my butt. Sometimes, if, if, if you think about our theology, theology is it's not a scary word, it's just the way we think about God. Okay, so if our theology is like a pair of boots, I'm going to say maybe we need a new pair of boots. Maybe the old pair of boots are just boots that we've outgrown. Maybe at one time they fit okay, but let me explain more about where I get that boots reference. See, I, I really like this networks, Netflix series called Longmire. Any of y'all watch Longmire? Um, it's 
it's one of those that I feel good about recommending to you if you have Netflix and you like uh, cowboy stuff. But one day, Sheriff Longmire is talking to his best friend, Henry, who owns uh, a pub called the, Pink, uh, the Red Pony. Okay, okay, don't judge me here. The Red Pony. And the sheriff is talking to Henry in the Red Pony, and he is trying to solve this crime, and he's not having any luck. And he is working under, the sheriff is working under the assumption that his nemesis, this guy that he just can't stand, is guilty of this crime. He's working under that assumption, and everywhere he turns, he's just running into a brick wall because he's working under that assumption. And then it dawns on him one day, maybe I need a different way of thinking. And he's talking over the bar to his best friend, Henry, and he says, Henry, I need a new pair of boots. And Henry says, what are you talking about, Walt? And Walt says, well, when I was 10 years old, my mother gave me a new pair of boots and I loved them. I mean, they were fancy cowboy boots. This is out in Wyoming. They were, they were these wonderful boots. I loved them, they were my favorite boots and I wore them all the time. The only problem was I had a growth spurt over the summer and my feet outgrew those boots, but I kept wearing them because I loved the boots. And I kept wearing them until my feet got to hurting so bad I couldn't wear them anymore and I had to get a new pair of boots. So the sheriff is saying, maybe I need a new way of thinking about this because if I'm ever gonna solve this crime, I can't force something to fit that doesn't fit just because I want it to, right? So what I'm saying is maybe we've outgrown our old theology. Maybe, maybe the theology that we had that said the good prosper and the bad suffer, maybe it's time for a new set of boots. You say, but preacher, you still haven't answered that question of why people suffer. Uh, and I want to tell you what, sometimes I really identify with that, that British vicar in that movie sitting at the tea shop. Just, I can tell you a lot of big theological stuff, but you're probably going to walk away shaking your head saying he doesn't really know. Anyway, well, sometimes I just don't. Sometimes it's a mystery and you got to hold on to the question because that's all you got. Sometimes you have to sing that old hymn, we'll understand it better by and by. It's not very satisfying, but it's the truth. But for now, for now I'm gonna take a swing at this and I'm calling this Pastor Sam's incomplete answer to the question of why we suffer. Incomplete, right? And I promise that I'll only tell you the things that I believe that I do know and I will not try to tell you a bunch of stuff that I really don't. I'll make you that promise. Because there's more that I don't know than I do. And the things that I do know, that I'll tell you, surround, um, I'm calling them the three F's, and this is just to help us remember them. Uh, Pastor Sam's incomplete answer to the question of why we suffer. The first one is foolishness, the first F. We suffer sometimes because of our own foolishness. It's pretty simple, really. It's like we reap what we sowed, right? It's like my grandmother used to say, our chickens came home to roost. I could tell you story after story, 
And listen, if we were sitting in the red pony, I would tell you some of these stories. I don't mind telling you story after story about foolish decisions that I made and the consequences that I had to pay because of those foolish decisions. You could tell those stories too. I mean, don't act like you couldn't. You could. Everyone has to go over fool's hill. And sometimes we just suffer the consequences of that. Okay, so number two, the second F is fallenness. I'm not even sure if that's a word, but I'm saying it is, okay? Fallenness, and what I mean by fallenness is that the world we live in is a fallen world. And what I mean by that is the world that God created, all creation, when God made it, it was perfect. In Genesis 1, we read that God made everything that we know, everything that God made, and God looked at, after everything God made, he said, that's good, and at the end of it, he looked at everything that was, and he said, it's very good. I mean, everything that God made, it was, well, it was paradise, right? It's paradise. There wasn't any, any suffering. Uh, there, there was no COVID-19 in God's creation. There was no cancer, no school shootings, no hurricanes, no hate, no people treating people like less than human, no refugees, no injustice, none of that. None of it. But sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and you know the story. But along with sin came suffering. Along with sin came suffering not just for humanity, but we read in Romans chapter 8, Paul says that all creation groans, waiting the day of redemption. All creation groans. Everything fell. Everything fell. Creation fell. And one day creation is, is going to be restored. One day paradise is going to be back. One day these, these bodies that, that get old and get sick and, and have trouble are going to be like unto his glorious new body. And all that is wrong with the world is going to be right. Thy kingdom come, we pray. Thy kingdom come. In the meantime, though, and that's where we live, right? In the meantime, the in-between time. In the meantime, disease. In the meantime, disaster. In the meantime, tragedy. Not just on rotten scoundrels, but on all of us. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, said, The sun rises on the good and the evil. The rain falls on the just and the what? And the unjust. Same thing with suffering, disease, disaster, tragedy. It doesn't just happen to evil folks. As a matter of fact, we could all give example after example of wonderful people that have suffered terribly. We are just today, I, we're, we're sitting here and, and I want you to be aware and I want you to pray and I want you to help give and serve for people a few hours south to us, maybe some of your properties were affected by this. Hurricane Delta, okay, we've already had so many of them. People are today trying to clean up and fix up after flood and wind damage. And it wasn't just the rotten people that got the flood and the wind damage from the hurricane, y'all. Really good folks. That's fallenness, okay? Okay. 
The third F is this, freedom. We live in a world that is, is fallen, but we also live in a world where God has given us freedom. That's just the way God chose to create, giving us freedom. And the freedom that allows us to choose to love God and choose to love our neighbor is the same freedom that allows us to spurn God and to hurt or kill our neighbor. Like all God's gifts, like every single one of God's gifts, the gift of freedom can be used for good or it can be used for evil. It wouldn't be freedom otherwise. And you and I have seen some terrible things in 2020, and if we just think back over our lifetimes, you can tell me thing after thing after thing that you've seen that's terrible. So many innocent people died and suffered, so much injustice in the world. If you uh, read history books, you can go back and see thing after thing, and you might ask, why didn't you stop that? Have you ever thought that? I don't know, you're thinking, people. I know that you've seen things. Why didn't God just stop that? You see somebody that just goes in and, I don't know, shoots up a, an elementary school, and you think, God, why didn't you just make their gun jam or something? Or you see somebody that, that some wonderful person that, that is, is taken from their family because uh, someone was a drunk driver, and you think, well, God, why didn't you just make that person lose their car keys? I know that it isn't a very satisfying answer to the question when we're struggling and we're hurting. But the truth of the matter is that if God took away the freedom to do evil, that God would also be taking away the freedom to do good. And if God took away the freedom to turn some, for someone to turn their back on God, God would also be taking away the possibility of a real relationship with God because God didn't want to create robots or puppets on a string. That's not what God wanted to do. God wanted us to have the possibility of being in relationship and loving each other, being in relationship with God and loving God, really, really loving God, not like a robot, not like when your mom tells you, go, go hug your sister and you really don't want to hug her but you do anyway freedom sometimes it's, it's, it's just freedom sometimes it's just fallenness of, of a world that has disease and tragedy and sometimes it's just us being foolish we might as well say it but now let's turn to the question, and this is, this is one that we need to take home with us. This is the one we need to hold close to our chest. It's the one that Job's wife, bless her heart, and if you're in the South, you know what bless her heart means. Every time I say Job's wife, I'm going to say bless her heart because bless her heart. She asked this question to her husband. She says, do you still persist in your integrity? And where she's coming from was, Job, look at all that we've lost. And I say we because Job's wife lost too. She lost it too. They were her kids too. It was, she's, and she says, honey, just look at all that we've lost. Why don't you just curse God and die and just get it over with? Get out of your misery. Do you still 
stubbornly hang on to this integrity of yours? You remember what I said earlier about integrity, that integrity meant wholeness, that integrity meant being complete, being mature, having what you're supposed to have. You see, Job's wife, bless her heart, her question is so important because we don't get to choose in this life whether or not we have suffering, y'all. Suffering is, it just is. And it's really not even about a question of why, even though that's the one we always want to know. It's human nature. We just, we want to know why. We want to know why. We want to get to the bottom of it. But at the bottom of it is Job's wife's question, really, isn't it? Are you, am I, still going to persist in our integrity? Can you lose everything and still be complete? That's really, that's really the bottom line. Can you lose everything and still be complete? And the answer, of course, is with God's help, yes. With God's help, if, if our stubborn faith and our trust in the ultimate goodness of God is something that we can hold on to, then yes, we can still be whole. We can still be whole, even when something's missing. And speaking of God, where is God in all this? Where is God when we suffer? That's a whole other thing. But what role does God play? If our old boots, our old theology was, and this was the ancient Hebrew mindset, the ancient Hebrew mindset that carried over into the New Testament, that carries over into the 21st century, is that God causes everything, right? God is like behind the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz, pulling levers and causing everything, causing the hurricane, maybe with a joystick to turn left or turn right, or causing this. Happening, everything that happens must somehow be God's will. That's the old boots. But y'all, those are old boots. Can we, can we just not go ahead and say that we've outgrown them? I see, see, I just don't believe God sends hurricanes. I don't believe God sends COVID and, and earthquakes and cancer. And, and you say, well, preacher, that's fine for you to say, but can you back it up with scripture? Absolutely. More scripture than you've got time to sit and, and listen to. But I will say every good and perfect thing comes down from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, from James 1.17. I will go back to the beginning and say when God created everything, he declared that everything he created was all very good in Genesis 1.31. I will say in 1 John 1.5, it says that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
I will say that God cannot be tempted by evil and that he himself does not tempt anyone else with evil from James 1.13. I would say that God is not the author of confusion from 1 Corinthians 14.33. I, I would tell you that God is love and God is not hate, that God is good and God is not evil. God is truth and God is not the author of lies. I could go on and on. But you get the picture by now, I hope, that God is everything that is good. And that everything God created is good and good and light and love. So can we just please not say that God sent such and such storm to such and such people because of such and such that they did? Can we just not say that anymore? Can we just throw those old boots out? Can we please not say God sent COVID? Can we please not say God sent AIDS or cancer or wildfires or anything like that? And you say, well, Pastor Sam, you don't know that. And just a few minutes ago, you promised that you wouldn't tell us stuff that you don't know. And okay, I admit, there's a lot of things that I don't know. So many So I'll tell you what I do know, Jesus. If I don't know anything else, if I don't preach anything else, let me preach Jesus. Let the world take everything else and leave me with Jesus. Because in the book of Colossians, we read that in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell in bodily form. All of the fullness of God, all of it in bodily form, dwelt in Jesus Christ. So anytime I want to know what God is like, anytime I want to know, well, what would God do? All I have to do is look at Jesus. Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard my words, you've heard the Father. If you want to know what's up with God, you look at Jesus. So why am I going on about this other than the fact that I'm a preacher? Because I want you to honestly think, can you show me anywhere where Jesus caused a storm? Where he caused a storm? I can show you where he calmed a storm. I can show you where he walked on top of a storm. Can you show me anywhere where Jesus caused a disease? I can show you where he healed many diseases and cast out many demons. I can show you. Can you show me anywhere where Jesus went about doing anything evil? You can't because Jesus went about doing good because that's who God is. So we are left with questions, and sometimes that feels like that's all we have. We are left with questions, but we know Jesus. And we know that when Jesus said, I'm coming back again, one day Jesus is going to come, and all of his glory and all of the questions we have are going to be answered. Everything that's broken is going to be healed. All creation is going to be set right. Every tear will be wiped away. And until then, we're left with consequences of foolishness and fallenness 
and freedom. In the meantime, in the in-between time, I think the best we can do today is hold on to that question that Job's wife, bless her heart, asked in the face of overwhelming loss. Do you still persist in your integrity? Will you stay whole even if you lose everything? Will you stubbornly hold on to your belief and your faith and the ultimate goodness of God? Yes, Lord. Yes, by your grace. Yes. Let's pray. God, you are good. And we ask that you remind us of that. And we even ask that you forgive us when we still want to go back and put on our old boots, when we want to say like the psalmist, why do the evil prosper? When we want to say like Job's wife, bless her heart, why don't you just give up? But God, we know that you are a good, good father. And we know, Lord, that there is a comfort and a, a balm in Gilead. We know that we can run to you and that we can abide under the shelter of your wing for all the days that end in why, God. We just run to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close by singing um, the answer to a question a biblical question. Is there a bomb in Gilead? And the answer to that question, there is a bomb in Gilead. Number 375 in your hymnal. Will you stand together and join me as we sing?
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you on all the days that end and why. Amen.